Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. I think that the poop deck is an accurate name in today's case. We need to get a bomb. And a shovel. Coming to you almost live from a metaphorical boat between two islands. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. Your nautical hosts. Your nautical hosts. Your metaphorically nautical hosts. Your ships ahoy hosts. That is correct. It's true. Welcome to another episode of the Unknown Studio, everybody. Indeed. We took a we, bit of a, a bit of another did. break. You know? um, it was unplanned, sort of, kind of. Yeah. But uh, things got a little hectic on your end this time. Yeah, so I actually recently just went and visited my brother, his lovely wife, and my beautiful little nephew in Saskatoon, which was great. Um, yeah, I got to spend three days with them and basically uh, play with him. He's, he's two, uh, two years old and two months and uh, destroyed my knees in the process. Because you are not two years old. I am not. It turns out, you know, you, when you're uh, not in the best physical condition, <laughs> crawling around the fun factory in Saskatoon is going to do some serious damage. There you go. But uh, Lesson was, learned. It, lesson learned, and it was yeah. a really good time. Yeah. It was a really good time. In fact, um, I got to check out their transit system, which was, it was pretty good. Uh, they use smart cards where we don't. I did point that out to the mayor, and he got upset with me. <laughs> Uh, in fact, I believe his response was just the word sigh. Uh, so, so it was kind of cool getting to check out Saskatoon, which is basically mini Edmonton. It's a lovely little town. I went to a nice uh, pub called the Rook and Raven and had one of the best Reuben sandwiches I've ever had there. Well, there you go. It was worth it just for that. But in the end, you still came back I, to I came back to Edmonton, man. I couldn't. I just can't stay away. I love this place. It's true. Also, all my things are here. Uh, also true. So I would have stayed. I would stay where my nephew is because he's the best. Sam is the best. And uh, and I was really fortunate, actually, because, you know, I got to spend three days with him. And un- unfortunately, the following week, he fell quite ill and was hospitalized. He's okay now. Okay. But uh, he had some intestinal problems. And, well. And uh, so... He's feeling better, though. So that's what I've been up to. Happy ending to that story. Yes, very much so. I have been up to considerably less than that. Is that so? Uh, it's been uh, it's been a busy, steady couple of weeks, but uh, nothing so exciting that couldn't have kept me from podcasting, except that you were not here. I, I kept and you so from And so we just decided to uh, shift it a week rather than do a solo episode, because it was just easier. And here we are. And it's true. We've got actually a really great show. Uh, at the second half of the show, we'll be interviewing Nadine Riopel from The Good Hundred. And she will be talking charity. A, a great deal bit. of charity. Yeah. And, uh, and helping people uh, reach out to the people that they want to help. Yeah. Using with, with, with great ideas. That's uh, right. I've attended one of The Good Hundred events before. And uh, well, you'll hear in the second half, it's how the Yeggies respond. So whether you like the Yeggies or not, you can blame Nadine for it. There you go. So you basically, this episode is just about you shifting the blame. 
I, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. For people who, for some reason, hate awards. Now, the Yankees are, are fast approaching. They are, yeah. And uh, this is a, a good time to kind of segue into that. Sure. How, how is the program coming along? Really great. We're quite excited about it. Um, so you'll be hearing announcements about it very soon. It's going to take place on Friday, May 9th at the Avenue Theater. So we decided to go away from the Shaw Conference Center, make it feel a little bit more community-driven, a little bit more um, uh, intimate, I guess, would be the right way to say it. Uh, the Shaw was very good to us last year, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, some of the feedback we got was, you know, let, let's, we don't have to be quite so ostentatious. Let's, let's make it our own thing. Uh, so we've been working with Steve at Avenue Theatre to make that happen. Uh, Trent Wilkie will be hosting again this year with a co-host, he has asked Sarah Hoyles from CKUA to join him on the stage. So they will be uh, they'll be exchanging hilarious anecdotes and jokes on the stage throughout the night. So it'll be an entertaining and delightful show. I hope so. There will be booze. Yep. Presumably free there, flowing. There will be a bar. There will be food. And there will be the highs of uh, delight from winners and the lows of defeat from losers. And hopefully those will be the only kinds of highs because, yes. uh, you know, illegal stuff is terrible, um, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but actually, you know, just uh, just recently when you listen to this podcast, a few days ago, um, we got a group of judges together to go through all the nominees and pick winners. So uh, a select few individuals on the organizing committee know who the winners are. So my next step is to get the awards engraved. There you go. So things are happening, man. It's things be, are happening. It's going to be now a there great has, show. There has been some criticism. Yes. About the Yankees. There always well. is. There always is. Yeah. Um, people, people think it's self-serving. That's the main criticism, yes. Uh, any award show is, of course. What are the Oscars except Hollywood giving Hollywood a big pat on the back. But you know what? We joke... The Grammys are the music industry giving the music industry a big pat on the back. I suppose so. Yeah. And and you and I have joked about the fact that Yankees were created so that we could give ourselves an award. And then ironically, we, we are unable to. And in fact, that's not the point. My no. my The whole goal of my me and the whole team that's worked on it is to give recognition where there really isn't any. Which is legit. These people do it for free for the most part. They're passionate about it. And and I think that's worthy of reward. I think that they're they're doing something good for the community or their community or whatever. So that's the driving force behind it. And I suppose, sort of selfishly, the, I want to grow the social media community in Edmonton. And my belief, maybe it's naive, maybe it's incorrect, I don't know, is that if if people see other participants in this community getting recognition for what they do that they might that might be the thing that tips them to do it themselves that's the only reason i do this it's it's not really that self-serving i don't think i mean it might have been initially but that's not the way that i look at it so you know there's people who are going to shit on the yeggies there there are some people who claim that uh that um we're just giving awards to ourselves and we are not doing that in fact we don't pick the winners an independent group of judges does that. And you'll, we'll be posting blogs about it on yeggies.com, who the judges are, what the process was, and, and trying to be as... Uh, Transparent. As possible, as yeah. As possible, yeah. Absolutely. Right on. So that's, uh, that's been a big thing. But, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the other big thing that's going on right now. Which is... The sunshine? The, yeah, the weather. <laughs> it's been beautiful, I, I think, might be the word. Yeah. 
which is uh, an abrupt turnaround from an abrupt turnaround <laughs> from an abrupt turnaround. Yeah. And they just seem to coincide with when we're recording our podcast. And that's why we have to talk about which it. Which means that essentially every two weeks, the weather has uh, a dramatic shift in yeah. Edmonton. You know, there's, there's the old joke that if you don't like the weather in Alberta, you just wait five minutes. It is an old and joke. And it will change. But like many stereotypes it has a kernel of truth there, to it there is a grain of truth there absolutely and uh you know I'm, I'm excited for the warm weather i don't know anyone who isn't um i'm going to uh take a controversial stand oh shit i hate the spring okay, okay. i think the spring is dismal and it is the worst month imaginable now make Wh- your case sir. whoever invented springtime God and be, Jesus should be ashamed of themselves, or Mother Nature, if you prefer. So, so make your case for why spring is the worst season of all seasons. It is the worst season of all seasons. Every other season has a certain beauty to it. Ooh. The summer is nice and warm. The sun is shining. Everything is green and lovely. You can go out to uh, enjoy the outside, and many festivals in the city to go and enjoy during the summertime as well. Definitely. Uh, every excuse to go outside and, and really live it up. The fall, lovely in its own right. Everything changes colors. Things start to cool down, but they're not too cold. Nope. There are still many enjoyable things to do. All of the best holidays are in the fall. Also, just the name, The Fall. Is pretty great. It's awesome. It's dramatic. Right. It, it, it's, it's descriptive. Yeah. Now, we admittedly have a bit of a shortfall sure. season in Edmonton Although because it, things transition very quickly into winter. You know, it, it does actually feel like, and this might be a function of climate change, uh, that our falls have been a little bit longer. A little bit, yes. Yeah. It's felt that way. But overall, the fall is is lovely. Yes, agreed. Then you shift into winter. Things get cold, admittedly. Yeah. Things get snowy, but winter has its own majesty. It's beautiful out with the snow covering everything. Uh, the cool air. There's still plenty of opportunity to go and do stuff in the winter. My favorite part of winter is actually the way that snow changes how the city sounds. Yes. I love that. There's there's beauty to winter, and there's stuff to do in the winter. And even if you just stay in, it's an excuse to stay in with the people that you care about and like to do stuff with. So the winter is in itself a lovely month, but then we transition into spring. The spring. Things are still cool. Yep. Uh, the weather is unreliable. A hundred percent unreliable. I mean, that's what the last Things two months have sloppy shown us. and gross outside. <laughs> Just and, like and most and of my relationships. As soon as it dries up, it becomes dusty and horrible. Right. Things take forever to get green, which is when we transition into summer. It's just a miserable, miserable couple months. In fact, it almost feels like uh, you go, you do go from winter to summer in Edmonton in some cases kind because of in a way, yeah. almost overnight it feels like things green up. Yeah. But before then, everything is just gross, mm-hmm. and I hate it. And I'm fairly confident there are other people who do as well. The spring is just a miserable, miserable time. Totally understand where you're coming from. I, I don't know that I... Okay, I think it actually might be my least favorite season. I, Cer- I think it, it certainly is mine. I think you're right. I yeah. think you've made a great case. The only thing that I really enjoy about spring is when I wake up early or wake up at my normal time in the morning, and there's light outside. That helps to make all the dust and shit that you see all over the city just feel a little less dusty and shit. But the days already start to get longer in the winter. That is a winter thing. 
That's true. I'm, I'm even going to take that away from the you, spring. You've done no. it. And, the winter. And in addition, the another terrible thing about spring is that you lose an hour to the goddamn time you change. You do. That's right. Everything terrible in the world happens in the spring. The spring is the worst. It is, it is terrible, wrong, and the worst. And I'm going on record. Now, I may have alienated some people. If you want to make the argument that the spring is the greatest season of all, and you may have a difference of opinion. I will agree to disagree with you, but you can make your case. Do it. Tweet us at Unknown Studio. Yep. Or drop us a line on our website or send us an email. I'm willing to have this debate. You will lose this debate, but I'm willing to have it. We might even have you on the show uh, to Just debate to Scott. to defend the spring. That's to defend right. the spring. Defend the spring the, the entire season against Scott. Yeah, so uh, so spring's happening. It's it's a little bit warm out. In two weeks, it won't be anymore. It'll no. be winter again, probably. And then uh, and then I remember one year it uh, snowed. It must have been early June. It was ridiculous. I I, I may recall something like that yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. But well, let's let's hold out hope that things have finally turned around for good, weather wise. One of my uh, one of my one of the things that I enjoy about this time of year has nothing to do with the season. I suppose, uh, or maybe it does, is that the tickets for the Interstellar ro- Rodeo have gone on sale. The Interstellar Rodeo. Yeah, and that's that's going to be happening down in Horlack Park in July. And one of the headliners is Corb Lund, and one of the other headliners is Gord Downey of The Tragically Hip. Well, there you go. Playing with, I think, the Sadies or something like that. Anyway, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm excited. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm excited for concert and festival season. Which does get underway shortly. Very Now, shortly. Edmonton has taken steps to ensure that there are festivals happening year-round. Yeah. We are festival city. <laughs> it says so on all of our stationery. I legitimately would like one day for there to be a festival going on every week. I don't think... Yeah, I think that's doable. I think it is. I think that that would be cool. I mean, you don't have to go to every festival, but just for there to be something going on every week in the downtown or in the River Valley, I think that would be... Excellent. Yeah, and now Scott and I have talked a lot about our favorite festivals in past shows, uh, particularly and the summer we've ones. had our guests on from past shows have been, in many cases, festival people. Yeah. And will probably be in the future. But we'd be curious to, to hear from you guys on this as well. What are some of your favorite Edmonton festivals? And, and uh, you can hit us on Twitter with that. And we'll see what Unknown Studio listeners recommend for festivals. And uh, which festival is the number one festival amongst Unknown Studio listeners, Ooh. for that matter. We're going to have to do some statistical analysis. It's one of your favorite things. Fire up the abacus <laughs> for some reason. Uh, unfortunately, associated with this time of year is also potholes. Another reason why the spring is awful. Yeah. Yeah. How, what do you think? I mean, we've heard a lot of anecdotal stuff out there. Do you think it's better than last year or worse than last I'm gonna year? I'm going to go, uh, and I'm going to go with better than last year. So well, Last year, I... Damaged my tire twice I remember. on potholes. Yeah. Uh, this year, not as much. Um, the potholes haven't seemed quite as bad. And I seem to recall that even before, um, I want to say, winter had ended, when there was that first melt and the roads cleared up, mm-hmm. um, they got out right away and they filled up a lot of the worst problem areas. So yes. they kind of got a jump start on that. And I think that definitely helped. Yeah. And I, I, as I understand it, they're also experimenting with different uh, components, I guess, uh, for what goes into the mixture to fill potholes. It's something that's a little more elastic and doesn't yeah. uh, crack and split quite as much. But you have to w- look out for the big asphalt lobby. Yeah. Who uh, who's who has an interest in potholes, shall we say, if that even if they even exist. I uh, once again will make the argument heated roads. 
<laughs> we just need to invest the $80 billion and replace all of our roads with heated roads. For this, we this we will need philanthropy for this. <laughs> this is a case where, where you'll hear it with our next guest that we will need some, uh, some rich dudes or lady dudes to donate their uh, hard-earned so that Scott can realize the dream of heated but roads. But it might be cheaper for them just to buy jetpacks and not have to worry about the roads. Jetpacks for all. There you go. I'm in favor of that. I am absolutely in favor of that. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. So uh, we should take a moment yeah. very quickly to talk about some uh, special people. Special, special people. The first, of course, being Guru Digital Arts College. Filled with very special people, actually. The Hogwarts of digital media in Edmonton. This is my favorite, this is my favorite part about talking about them. Uh, likening their headmaster, their Dumbledore-esque headmaster, Owen Brierley, to... Dumbledore. I kind of jumped the gun on that one. You did. <laughs> kind of fell on my face on that one, but that's okay because the the likeness still stands. He is bearded. <laughs> he is wonderful. He is kind of fabulous. He's basically the best. And he is a wizard of digital media. Yeah, and in fact, uh, so if you so we've talked about them a lot, but if you're interested in pursuing uh, a career in illustration, sequential art, digital media production, 3D and 2D animation, and video game level design, you should check out GuruDigitalArts.com. On April 17th, they're, they're doing an event at the Jubilee. It's kind of an, I guess, like an open house showcase slash graduation thing for one of their uh, one of their classes, and. Um, I have it on good authority that Owen and one of the other instructors there, Jasmine Abbey, along with some of their students, are doing a very interesting theater project with the Citadel. So we'll tell you more about that in another show, but Guru is doing great stuff, as usual. And uh, you can check them out once again, gurudigitalarts.com, or you can go and visit them in person at the lovely historic Mercer Building downtown and uh, poke your head around. They will be happy to... uh, Show you around. For sure. And the, the upside of being down there is that uh, you'll be right by the Neon Sign Museum. That's right. It's just across the street. And, uh, of course, we have our newest sponsor. Yeah. The delicious, delectable Oodle Noodle. Yeah. So they've got locations across the city. Uh, short orders, stir fry, really, really good stuff. Um, they even deliver. That's right. They will is, take noodles to you yeah. wherever you happen to be. And they'll fill your face hole with them. That's right. So check them out at oodlenoodle.ca. And uh, in later shows, we're going to have giveaways that, uh, that we'll be doing with Oodle Noodle. They've given us some stuff to give to you. That's right. It's exciting. Very much so. So if you like noodles, be excited, basically. That's where I'm going with That's that. a good message. Yeah. O- if you like oodles of noodles. Yes. 
Joining us on the show today is uh, the savvy do-gooder and the co-founder and co-host of The Good 100, Nadine Riopel. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, You have been something of an inspiration to me. I'm being totally honest because I've attended one of your first, I believe, Good 100. The inaugural Good 100. Exactly. And had that not happened, I don't think the Yeggies would exist today. And that just, oh, that makes my heart grow three sizes. <laughs> Great. So now, uh, a lot of people might know you as the savvy do-gooder. Mm-hmm. You blog about philanthropy. Yes. Well, uh, as someone put it recently, I help people do more with their altruism. Ah, okay. Which includes, philanthropy can be defined a number of ways. But if anybody that wants to make a positive contribution and change the world for the better, I want to help them figure out how to do that. Right on. Best. And what inspired you to get involved in in that line of thinking and discussion? Oh, well, uh, I say savvy do-gooder, and some people get hung up on the do-gooder part, but the savvy is really important because I started out as the most naive do-gooder you can possibly imagine. I was going to save the world. I was going to feed the children. You know, I was going to fix it all. And uh, I came out of university, and I tried, you know, to get a job with international child-saving, world-fixing organizations and and tried this and tried that and volunteered and just had every uh, bad experience you can possibly imagine because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I was really sort of well-intentioned, but I had no clue. Um, and eventually, after a three-year stint as a professional fundraiser, I started to realize that there was a smarter, sort of more critical thinking type way to do this that would get everybody further with their altruism. Uh, and I wanted to help people do that so that they could. I want, when people want to do good, I want them to get there. Um, but it involves a bit of, you know, like it, good intentions really aren't enough. So mm-hmm. that's that's what led me to start the Savvy Do Gooder. And uh, I discovered that I couldn't do it from the charity side because the charities basically are, they do what the givers want them to do. And however informed and discriminating the givers are will determine how the charities behave. But nobody was trying to help the givers. Everybody was trying to help the givers give more money, but that that's not really the same thing. Right. So so that's that's how I like to approach things is I want to help the people where the drive is coming from. Now you said that you had some bad experiences mm-hmm. when you first started. Uh, how do you have a bad experience with philanthropy? I think there's a story there that's worth telling. Well, there there are a few. Like I. Uh, I wanted to work for international NGOs. Uh, I spent my last semester in university in Mexico on exchange. Uh, and then I came home here to Edmonton, sick as a dog with food poisoning, and started applying for jobs and discovered nobody hires a fresh out of university, no experienced person from Edmonton when they're all headquartered elsewhere. And so I very quickly realized that my extreme enthusiasm wasn't really enough. I had to sort of know what I was doing and have some experience. Uh, And then I started trying to do volunteering and I had a lot of experiences where I would go to volunteer somewhere uh, and I would like their mission and they would, you know, say that they totally needed me and they'd love to have me on board and then just have my time wasted like you would not believe. I taught English classes with one person in them. What? I, that's that's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, because they didn't really need me. But it's not okay to say that when someone comes to your organization and says like, oh, I want to get involved. you got to do something with them, whether you can use them or not. And that's a bit broken, really. But yeah, I uh, I tutored 
I volunteered as a tutor for immigrant children, and they had to practically hogtie this one kid to come every week, and that's all I got. Wow. And that may speak to the quality of me as a tutor, but I think it also speaks to the relationship between givers and like nonprofit organizations in that there's not a lot of honesty there about what's really needed and what's really going to work. You just, you know, they just try to roll with whatever we say we want and it doesn't get anyone to where we need to be really what, some of the time. What would happen if, if one of these, uh, these nonprofits or charities started dictating the way it should be to their givers. Do you, th do you think that, like, everyone would leave that charity and not support the cause anymore? Is there a way to make charitable giving uh, and, and the organizations that receive chari charitable status and donations uh, more efficient? Yes. Well, yes. And I have done a fair amount of sort of learning and, and writing and speaking on that subject. And I think, again, it has, it has to come from the givers. If the charities started dictating it, uh, it might work to some degree, but they'd have to be really diplomatic because mm -hmm. people get super offended when you tell them that whatever it is they wanted to do with the most purest of beautiful intentions wasn't right. Like right. people, I went to rotary clubs when I was first starting out and tried to get them to let me speak to them about this. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't suggest that all the things they've ever done are perhaps not perfect. Well, I could understand the, the defense mechanism that would kick yeah. in. Yeah, well, it's perfectly natural. Yeah. And a lot of them might just kind of be set in their ways. It sounds mm -hmm. weird to say, but, you know, well, we've done this like this for generations mm -hmm. of philanthropy, and now who are you to come in and tell us that we're doing it wrong yeah. in the modern age with modern advances? With your internets and your soda pops and <laughs> such. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, in terms of fixing the charitable sector, there's a lot of work underway for that. There are a lot of movements. There's, there's a guy named Dan Pilato who wrote a book called Uncharitable and is now uh, trying to put together a charity defense league. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> and that's great and everything, but I think it's a, to some extent it's a little bit rearranging the ch deck chairs on the Titanic because charity really only should exist when the system is broken. I see. So when our reaction to the system being broken is to create more charity as opposed to try to fix the system, like food banks are a perfect example. They started food banks to address hunger until they could get rid of the roots of hunger. And that never happened, but we have more and more food banks. I heard the executive director of Big Brothers Big Sisters say something similar that their organization was founded just as a stopgap until they could find a more sustainable way to make sure all the children in Edmonton have proper mentorship. And 20 years later, they're not thrilled to be bigger than ever. Like, really, charity is not supposed to be the solution. It's just supposed to be the thing that we do until we figure out the solution, really. Right. And we've come to rely on them. So if a charity yeah. is doing its job correctly, it's shrinking in size and influence. Yeah. Most, if you talk to most people who know what they're doing, who are in charity, who've been in for a long time, they would like to be out of business, really. Yeah. Um, and But we, we expect too much of them, in my opinion. This is a bit of a digression from the Good 100. But well, and, and we're going to get back <laughs> on that track, because I was just very curious. I wanted our listeners to hear your perspective, because it is, is very fascinating to me. Oh, thanks. But so then the question is, and, and the answer is probably a long one, how do you get from uh, thinking about the, the, the charitable space, the giving back space, to going into an, an event and organization like the Good 100? Well, uh, <coughs> the inspiration for the Good 100 came 
a couple of years ago, around this time of year, actually, the last time we had a provincial election, mm. I went to uh, something that was a really, I thought was a really interesting way of pursuing um, a good goal, which was some, some folks, I think it was, oh, I hate to admit, uh, Zori Sar, Ken Bautista, and Mac Mail decided that they wanted more people their age, our age, you know, late 20s, early 30s. Oh, you're so kind. <laughs> okay, late 30s? No, I no. know I'm older than you because right. you were in school with my younger sister. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they wanted more people our age to be involved in politics. So instead of, you know, launching a, an awareness campaign or, or what, you know, the, the conventional things you would normally think people would do, they organized a leadership debate viewing party at a bar. I was there. Yeah, me too. I remember that. And I thought, isn't this creative? It's not traditional charity. It probably isn't costing anybody any money. In fact, it's making the bar money, mm -hmm. uh, which is an independently owned bar. And I think one of the owners was running for office at the time in a strange connection. Yes, I believe he was running for the Conservative Party, yeah. Yeah, so um, so it, it's achieving their goal. It's getting all these people together. It, you know, I never would have sat and watched the whole thing, let alone debated it at home alone, but I sat and watched the whole thing and debated it. And it was fantastic, and I thought, you know, I know a lot of people doing cool stuff like that, and I would like to sort of raise that up and highlight that as an alternative way to do good to the usual, you know, checkbook philanthropy. And not that there's not a place for that, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of other creative ways. So I, I wanted to highlight and promote that. So I did a series on my blog highlighting a, a variety of people doing things like that. And when I did that, I was approached by Tad Hargrave of The Local Good. And he asked me, did you want to do an event around this. Hmm. And I said, heck yes, but <laughs> it has to be something with structure. Because I'd also noticed uh, around that time I was going to a lot of events that were either straight networking where they dump you in a room with a bunch of people you don't know and you're just supposed to like meet them. And drown, basically. Yeah, well some people are good at it, but it's Ugh. scary and it takes skill and it's tough. Um, or uh, content-driven events where everybody sits and there's a guy on the stage or a girl and they share their wisdom with you. And at some of those events, I found that they were having a hard time getting people back from the breaks because once the ice had been broken and people had something to talk about, they were just on fire talking to each other. So, uh, so I said to Tad, can we do something where there's enough structure to get people talking without putting all the sort of onus on them to just cold introduce themselves, but not so much that we're curtailing the discussion. Like we want to create a space for people. And, and he said, absolutely. And he also, his part of the vision is that he felt like there were a lot of awesome people doing awesome things who were not necessarily connected or who were not connected in a meaningful way. So that's the other piece of, of the motivation for Good 100 is wanting to sort of bridge the gap and build that community of what we say do-gooders. So how, how does... Uh Tell me a little bit about the local good as you know it. Now, I know that you're involved with them through the Good 100. Yeah. But how does the, how does, uh, how does the Good 100 align with what the local good does? Well, the local good, and I hope I don't misrepresent them, but um, their, their mission is to foster 
people doing good, what they would say progressive uh, things in the Edmonton area. They they also want to help people doing good things get better at it and, and be supported and, and move forward. So they host the very well-known Green Drinks events, yep. which are more straight networking, but they have a little structure too. Um, and they have a very popular blog, and it's just all about sort of promoting and encouraging people who are doing great things. Um, so obviously, Good 100 is a perfect fit for them because that's exactly what it's about. It's kind of like green drinks on steroids, like it's longer <laughs> and it's more structured, um, but it is similar, uh, a similar sort of crowd and a similar mission, really. So, so then take us through... Take us through what the, the, you're doing an event uh, in June, correct? Yeah, well, it's May 31st and June 1st. So I have hard, every time someone asks me, I'm like, May, uh, later. <laughs> <laughs> it straddles the May June line. It straddles the May June line. I'm going to use that. Thank you. <laughs> there you yes, go, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, I do bill for any ideas that I come up with. But, oh, great. Um, well, so, then I want to be paid for the Yeggies. Th- damn it. <laughs> I knew something terrible was going to happen. I think you can work out some. A contra deal some of some sort. Quid pro in trade, there, yeah. In trade agreement. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But uh, but take us through, because, I mean, I've been through one of the events, and I, it, like I said, the Yeggies came out of that. It was an idea that I had that sort of germinated more at that event, which is very cool. And, it and is so cool. It, it was very great, and, and we can talk a little bit about that in a bit. But uh, what does the day look like? What, how does it start? How do you move through the day? And, or the two well, days, yeah, rather. Yeah, when Sorry. you came, it was one day, and people said they wanted more, so we made it into a two-day event. That's terrific. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, day, the, the program, we're still tinkering with it. Like, it's not the exact, well, this is our third one, and we still make a fair amount of changes. But um, we do, for example, we do small circle introductions early on okay. where we get people into groups of six and we gave, give them three questions and they're pretty obvious, like name, project, why you came, something like that. Um, and we have people do that. Everyone has one minute and then we make you switch circles um, to just get the ball rolling. Okay. Um, we have, uh, we didn't have a, a speaker the year that you came, but we have now added one because we found that, uh, all interactive all the time was a bit much for some people and we needed to switch up the programming a bit to give different types of learners and, and whatever, like different speeds and different delivery modes. So, um, I can completely understand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty intense that first year. Uh, we have, we make the breaks quite long on purpose so that people can have some unstructured chat time. My favorite exercise, and tell me if you agree, (laughs) is what we call the islands exercise, which was borrowed from, uh, the material that Tad uses in the marketing courses that he delivers. And in the islands exercise, everyone gets into groups of three and they're given a metaphor. There's, there are two islands and a boat. And the people you want to help, your community, your customers, whoever they are, are on island A. Island A is a nasty place. You don't want them there. They probably don't want to be there either. They want to get to island B. It's which horrific. Is, it's, 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 there are <laughs> monsters. There's fire. It's awful. There's a lot of fire. Giant monster island. Yeah, exactly. It's a miserable place. Terrifying, island a. yeah. Uh, Island B is a beautiful place. There are palm trees and sunshine, and it's exactly where you want to be. And the the animals are not rabid. They're just excited to see you. Right. They are still giant. Cuddly. Huge, massive. But giant, cuddly cuddly animals. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They cuddle you. Um, (laughs) So... 
So um, you are the boat captain, and the boat is your thing. It's your company, it's your charity, it's your project, it's your yeggies, whatever it might happen to be. Um, and you're trying to convince the people on Island A that you are the best captain, and yours is the best boat, and you have the best map to get them to Island B. So everybody has to go through and explain their work using this metaphor. What is the boat? What does it look like? Who are you as the captain? What makes you the best captain? What qualifications do you have? What experiences do you have? Um, what does Island A look like? Who are these people that you're trying to serve? And uh, everybody goes through this in the groups of three, and they take their turn. And when the people whose turn it isn't are listening, they're not allowed to give advice for most of it. They're only allowed to ask clarifying questions. And then when they get to the end, they have a very short advice giving window. But people have found this to be just an unbelievable, I remember back the first time I did it, I found it so interesting to hear uh, what they ask, what makes sense to them, what doesn't make sense to them. You get to parts that you realize maybe you don't even know. Like maybe I haven't even considered really where Island A is and where I might find these people and maybe that's why I'm, you know, my thing isn't getting any traction. And uh, it's just really, really interesting and it really gets people thinking and it gets them understanding their work far better than your standard issue. Hey, what do you do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I remember that exercise really well. I unfortunately, because I'm a total narcissist, only remember what I said and what I got out of it. <laughs> I, I spent that that portion of the day with Joey from Sustainable mm -hmm. and Sylvia Chevry, who runs uh, Courtney's Closet, which raises mm -hmm. money for uh, uh, people with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, it was probably the single most useful uh, part of the day. I, it was great. The whole day was really good. But this gave me all the idea. It was, it was like collecting the ingredients and part of the recipe to take the idea out into the world and turn it into something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you explain the framework for, for Island A, B and the boat, I just think like there's a, we can apply that kind of thinking to the kind of work that I do during the day. Yeah. Around marketing, because it's really just you're describing your audience, yep. you're you're trying, you're explaining the solution to your problem, mm -hmm. and how that solution is going to make everything better on that island. It's yep. a very and interesting there's the way. sun. The sun is why. Like, That's right. What is the whole point? Like, why are you even doing this in the first place? What is your big beautiful motivation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic exercise, and uh, we we just love it. And I love it partly because in the do-gooder world, I find people usually get either just. Um, yes man type, like, oh, that's wonderful. When I was a fundraiser, that's great that you fundraise. I would get those two reactions. Either I would get, that's fantastic. You're doing so much for the community. That's lovely. Or they would ask like I would act like I was about to turn them upside down and shake them for loose change. Like, oh my God, <laughs> you're one of those scary people. And so you don't get the constructive, usable, like critical, but not mean feedback that you need. And mm -hmm. Good 100 is built to provide that. Like we want people to get better at what they're doing. We don't just want to make them feel good and we don't just want to bash them. We don't ba want to bash them at all. <laughs> right, yeah, that would be counterproductive. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But we, we want people to go away, you know, more able to do the wonderful things that they're trying to do than they were when they came in. So uh, that's terrific. It's very exciting. And for those of you who, have, who are thinking it might, it sounds like something you might be interested in, I personally highly recommend it. Uh, is this the oh, the second one that you've done or the third one? The third. One? The right. third. We did one last June. Can I jump back for a second? You said something about your daytime work. Yeah. Okay. I want to make a special appeal. Okay. 
to people, okay, we have got a beautiful group. We love them. They're wonderful. But there is a certain component of society that is sort of missing. And that is regular day job type people. We have social entrepreneurs, we have eco-warriors, we have artists, we have like wonderful people. But I find that when you say do-gooder, sometimes people don't see that in themselves, in their regular job, especially business people and government people. But their perspectives are so important and they are doing important work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am just trying so hard to get more of them in the room. So like you say, daytime marketing, like you are doing good things. Or there, there may be good things. I often talk <laughs> to people, I ask them what good work they're doing and they tell me about some charitable project they do on the weekend. But then if I dig deeper, like um, I know a businessman who deliberately hires uh, people who would be considered tough to hire, like ex-cons and people that have special, like uh, he has a, his right-hand woman uh, is someone that has to work from home because her husband has cancer. Wow. And he pays them more than he needs to, and he goes out of his way to make flexible schedules so that they can have a livelihood that doesn't destroy their lives. But when I asked him what kind of good works he's involved in, he says sometimes he has his guys with tractors clear the lot at the food bank, just to be nice. And I'm like, that's good. It is. But the thing about going out of your way to create employment for people that might have special challenges is so much better. Yeah, you know? no kidding. So uh, I'm often astonished by people who are in the sort of quote-unquote mainstream who don't see this in themselves. We want them to. So if there's anybody out there listening, maybe, maybe think a little in a different way about how you're a do-gooder and then consider joining us because we would love that. That's, that's great. I mean, people are their harshest critics. They really oh, are. Oh, for sure. And, and I think you're right as well in that people have kind of um, compartmentalized what it is to be philanthropic. And, yes. and they only really see, as you kind of alluded to earlier on in the interview, like what they do with their checkbook yeah. or when they go out of their way to do something for a charity and not necessarily what they themselves are just doing to yeah. the betterment of the community, really. Yeah, everyone's a force for good in their core activity if they choose to be. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's not like we're taking on clients at my job that are, that are monsters, you know. We're, yeah. we're trying to help them solve problems, and sometimes that feels really good to do. Yeah. In fact, more often than not, it feels really good to do. Yeah, it's a, sometimes about mindset, like the way that, you know, if you see yourself as a ethical, sustainable, all that great stuff, then and if you keep those values in mind, then you can be a really significant force for good as a business person, as a civil servant, what have you, mm -hmm. politician. Well... <laughs> Arguably. Let's not push our luck. Um, <laughs> so this is this upcoming one that's straddling the line between May and June. Yes. Um, is the third, third one that you've third, done. Third, yes. And, uh, and where can people find information on this? Our website is good100.ca, so g-o-o-d-100.ca. Okay. Um, we do have an application process this year. Uh, and it's, it's both a bit of a filtration to make sure that people are a fit. Some people... Uh, think they'd like to come just because it's a great group, but you really do have to have some sort of project initiative idea. It doesn't have to be fully formed, as with the Yegis, it, it was, was a not. gleam in your eye. Yeah. Um, but you have to have something to talk about during the workshop, so you'll be a little bit at sea, no island pun intended. <laughs> and uh, so we're doing the application forms, uh, and uh, then once someone has, has applied and we've approved them, then you get the ticket purchasing uh, link. Cool. All right. Mm. Now, um, you've, you've 
done this several times. Mm -hmm. What are some of your, uh, other than mine, what are some of the other success stories that have come out of the Good 100? Oh, well. I know there are lots. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a wellness center in Leduc called the Waimatea Center for Wellness mm -hmm. that came out of uh, Waimatea Ellis, who's also known as, best known as the lead singer of Soldierfire. Oh, yeah. She workshopped that at the Good 100. That's so cool. I know, it's so it's very cool. And to hear her talk about it oh, is just... So I'm it, heart grows so many sizes. I bet. Um, and then there's other people like that I just chat with. Oh, oh, my dad, my dad, the businessiest of the businessy. And I remember chatting with him at the first one, and I was like, because I know I know him because I've, yeah. I've known you a long time, and I was yeah. just like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah, like, but he is a pioneer in the field of emergency response. That's right. Yeah, and he is your classic example of it. I'm a businessman. I don't. I'm not for good, and yet he's saving millions of lives. And he runs a, a big disaster conference called Disaster Forum every spring in Banff with about 300 professionals, um, and they had always had classic expert from the stage style everything last year for the first time they did a more uh, participant focused workshop and it went over like gangbusters awesome. and that is because he was so you got to give back to your father <laughs> yes i did <laughs> and i awesome. just every time i meet a participant and i ask them how they're doing they tell me a little stories about how they've been able to work with people that they met there and and how they found it so validating and it's just it's lovely it's lovely to hear that's very exciting that's yeah. very very exciting so uh check out good100.ca that's g-o-o-d 100.ca yep uh if you're interested in attending uh mm -hmm. if you can't make it to the whole weekend the evening party on saturday is open to everyone it's in a venue no one's ever heard of before where is the venue it is an old church Ooh. that has been taken over by a firm of architects in little italy this yeah. sounds amazing. It's it really, does yeah. sound amazing. It is very cool. <laughs> They're calling it the Architects Studio, and uh, yeah, it used to be an Anglican church, and cool. And now I think we're going to call it the Architects Church. Really, they, yeah, sure. I love it. Come to the party and tell them so. Awesome. <laughs> so all the information they need will be at goodhundred.ca. Absolutely, and a little video of last year. Great, awesome. Mm -hmm. It's time. you're giving me you're giving me the look. I'm giving you the look. And oh, it's oh my god! Don't ever know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't do that again. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, it is indeed time for the fast fifty. This is my favorite part of the show, other than talking to uh, our guests and talking with you. Well, and it's <laughs> it's totally self-interested as well, because you invented the Fast 50. It is. That's why it's your favorite I part have, of the show. I have a fondness for my ideas. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And, and Nadine being here is a, a proof of that. Um, so uh, for those of you who've never heard of Fast 15 before, it works like this. We're going to ask Nadine 15 questions really quickly. The first 13 are questions we ask of all of our guests in the last two are wild card questions. And it is possible that this could be a rare fast, fast 15, because she has heard the fast 15 before. That's and right. in theory, could have done some prep work, oh, maybe a little some homework beforehand. I'm afraid of. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. gosh. I can't imagine what they would be. These are so innocuous. They are the softballest of softball questions. Yes. Well, yeah, but there's what, some of my things that you ask me what my favorite is, I don't even like that thing. <gasps> Okay, well, this is going to be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Okay. The Fast 15 with Nadine Riopel. Number one, your favorite food. Hang on. Don't tell me you don't like food. No, I like Okay, food. okay. Your favorite food. Uh, toasted raisin English muffins with peanut butter. That's very specific. Highly specific. Yep. Mm -hmm. Also correct. <laughs> your favorite color. Green. 
Mac, PC, or Linux? PC, just because I'm used to it, and that's what I know how to use. Okay. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Uh, coffee or tea? Tea. Your favorite holiday? Oh, Christmas. Favorite sport? To watch or to play? Up to yes. you. Yes, uh, yes. I'm terrible at sports. My husband's really into basketball, and I find that one the easiest to follow. So basketball. All right, basketball. You can always see the ball. It's good. That's true. It's big and it's orange. Very quick. Yep. Yeah. Uh, your favorite pastime? Oh, reading, probably, yeah. Your favorite music right now? See, this is one of the problems, because I am not a music person. I listen to the radio as background noise pretty much, so I don't really have... If you're listening to the radio as background noise, what do, is it a music station or is it a news station? It's a music station. And what, and what kind of music do they play? Well, I like the top 40 stations when they're on a request time because Ooh. then there's more variety. Cool. So I like top 40, but all top 40 ever. Ah, okay. okay. So top like 40 through the ages. Yeah. Outstanding. Top 40, 100. <laughs> <laughs> top 40, yeah. 100. Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Your favorite movie right now? Oh, see, again, I had a baby eight months ago, and I hardly ever watch movies. Oh, but my favorite movie of all time, is that a different question? That, that, that works. Okay, The Princess Bride. There oh, you go. Oh, right on. Good, good answer. Excellent selection overall, uh, I have to say. This one, I have a suspicion. You, you, you might not have an answer for it, just because. Uh, favorite video game? This is, yeah, this yeah, is the this one. Is one I don't know, old time Jeopardy on my computer when Done. I was in junior Acceptable. <laughs> that is acceptable. <laughs> okay. That is absolutely acceptable. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, I think teleportation. I hate flying. Ooh, I flew to Vancouver one. recently and was delayed for three hours on the way there and two hours on the way back. And I was like, oh, somebody needs to invent <laughs> the transporter for sure. I have an observation. I would like to hear this. Most of our guests choose either flight or teleportation. I think people just want to get around faster. Yes. yes. In general. This Definitely. is is it an Edmontonian thing? Is that because our roads are <laughs> and just our airport is so far completely away? Completely and our transit you so just so. can't get around. It must be. It, that might be a thing. So so we're gonna have to have some non Edmonton guests to test this theory. Yeah, I think we have to. <laughs> but it's very interesting. All right. Uh, do you prefer or what is your favorite between the two, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. That's the correct answer as well. That is I also said transporter a minute ago, which was kind of a clue. Okay. Well, <laughs> I had to ask the question. Yeah. Now we're on to our wild card questions. If you could change one thing about giving tomorrow, what would you change? I would change the popular perception that low-cost charity is good charity because there's no connection, but it's what most people think. And it's causing the charitable sector to run as if its goal is to be cheap as opposed to solve problems. Interesting answer. Hmm. And very, very uh, insightful as well. Oh, I, th I don't think that a lot of people really think about it that way. Well, everyone that's in the charitable space does. Like anyone uh, you meet that's a philanthropic consultant or anybody's like, God, yes. But, and yet it hasn't filtered through for some reason hmm. to the general giving public, which is part of the reason I said it. <laughs> Now, uh, the last question, um, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot with this one, mm. but if you're, the, if you're the lady in charge of the Good 100, what's your next Good 100 project? And it can't be the Good 200. That is not acceptable. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mean if I was participating in the workshops, what would I workshop? Yeah. I think it would be, I would really like to do um, more public speaking. I've always liked public speaking. I used to do it a lot as a fundraiser. Yeah. And I would love to be like a professional keynoter. Ooh. 
Um, but I have not yet managed to make that happen. And right now I'm too busy with the good hundred <laughs> to work on it. But it is sort of the next thing, maybe in the fall, that I would really like to put some serious energy behind. It was, to be honest, it was what I workshopped last year too, but then I had a baby and nothing happened. So <laughs> Well, things happened. It's still, I mean, nothing happened with that <laughs> particular thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still kind of on my to-do list of things that I would really like to do better and do more of cool that's great and that i was think a lot of people would go and see a keynote speaker who has a child strapped to their chest in one of those <laughs> he is way too, he's 22 pounds majiggers. already which for oh, an eight months old is crazy Whoa. what are you feeding that guy any he eats everything we give him so a lot of things wow well there you go the fast 15 with nadine riopel it was lovely to have you on the show. And Thank insightful, you. yes. It's Thank always you. a pleasure to see you, of course. I should tell you, I have eaten Oodle Noodle because of you recently. <laughs> <laughs> I think our, our advertisers would be very pleased to hear that. Indeed. That's great news. Thanks for sharing that. So the Good 100, the Good 100, I've been changing uh, it up the whole time. I usually say the Good 100 Experiment and the Good 100 Party. All right. So the Good 100 Experiment is a two-day event. That happens May 31st and June 1st. You can find more information on that at good100.ca. That's G-O-O-D-1-0-0 dot C-A. Yep. And the Good 100 Party is happening on the Saturday night? The 31st from 7 to 11.30. I just finished lining up the liquor suppliers. Ooh, which there's going to be Which is special because they are local. Awesome. It's Burrs and Bees Winery and Alley Cat Beer. Terrific. Yeah. That's great. So that information for that's on the site as well? Uh, no, I have not posted that on the site. I'll probably put it on the Facebook group. Cool. <laughs> there you go. So uh, just go to the site for more information. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Yes. Thank you. It was great to have you. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 98. Our guest, Nadine Riopel. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Speaking of trifectas, me and uh, we went to Vancouver last week, and we were sitting in a little sandwich shop, and the guys next to us hit the trifecta of hipsterism. They started out talking about this craft beer shop that they go to, and they, they're so rude to you until they find out you're doing a winter beer, and then they'll talk to you. And the next thing they talked about was how the one guy got an espresso machine professional grade for his house, because it makes so much sense. Of course. And then the third thing they talked about was how their friend has an old VW bus that he's fixing up and he's building a special shop in it for his vintage espresso machine, <laughs> espresso machine from the 50s. And wow. I was just, Glenn and I were just sitting there like... <laughs> People actually surprised. talk about this shit. Start talking about how they were totally into this band, but then they just released an album and now, whoops, not into them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This place so, used to be cool, but now everybody comes <laughs>